Hello, I'm Victoria Ash. And I'm Paul Griffith. And this is the Business of Adventure podcast, where we talk with people who are doing what they love about the commercial side of what they do. And while the backdrop may be endurance cycling, rock climbing, kayaking, mountain biking, the challenges we're talking about are about finding customers, building a reputation and managing finances, that side of the business of adventure. So, Paul, why should people listen to today's episode? Well, today we may be going slightly off-piste, but I can assure you it'll be worth getting out of your comfort zone for. We've managed to lure Bodie Aldridge off his surfboard on the east coast of Australia to talk about aspects of running an adventure business, or really any business for that matter, that often get overlooked in the rush to get better qualifications, get more clients, get equipment ready for the day, and do everything else that needs doing. As Bodhi himself says, What I notice is that having clients in the adventure industry, that some of them have some real resistance around building a business, resistance around money, resistance around sales. So I think it's really worth listening to what he has to say on the subject. And Victoria, we've both known Bodhi for quite a while. So could you just give our listener a bit of background so they know where he's coming from? Yeah, sure. Um, He's a really interesting guy, I have to say. I mean, after 20 years as a lawyer, where he obviously became a dab hand at the commercial side of running his own business, he sold his legal practice in the year 2000 so that he could pursue what had become his real passion, which was supporting business owners to realise their full potential. And we've worked with him, I think, Paul, over the years many times and just really love the calm and patient way he helps people understand themselves and the way they interact with the world and you know what's kind of holding them back sometimes so that ultimately they can better run their outfit whatever that is whether it's a law firm or whether it's a business of adventure firm so if you like I guess what you and I do is help our clients run their businesses better but Bodhi really fits in with that because he helps you be in the best place to lead your business and although it can sound a bit woo-woo to traditional commercial types I think if we're honest it sounded a little bit that way to us to start with but now you know we really get it and we suspect that everyone can benefit from a bit of Bodhi enlightenment so, shall we get on with the episode? Well, hi Bodhi, uh, it's great to be talking again, and thanks for taking the time out to talk to us about what you do and how it can help people who run adventure businesses. All right, thanks Paul. What would be good is if you could kick off um, by telling us in your own words, rather than the way I've tried to phrase it, what it is you actually do. Yes, <laughs> that's right. And, you know, I'll tell you a little bit more about my story. Yet what what I've noticed is that um, so many um, leaders in business, uh, particularly men who I work predominantly with, my, my predominant uh, client base are men early 40s to mid 50s, yeah, married, mortgage, business, kids. And the deep yearning and longing in us as men is this search for freedom and flow. And so in my coaching 
yeah, having coached many, many business owners and leaders around the globe and through my own studies of leadership development, traditional wisdom, my own personal journey, which we'll talk about, yeah, what I've done is put together some practices, some processes and some tools that help men yeah, experience that even if they're working in corporate, even if they're working in an adventure business. Yeah. 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 And so that's the, the territory that I navigate. Okay. for my clients and out of interest because um, at least some of the people listening to this won't be men um in your experience you find although you focus on that group of people do these sorts of things apply whoever you are yeah yeah absolutely and you know the reason i lean into that is i just noticed so many men showing up in my coaching practice yeah. that wanted support um but absolutely and obviously you know, the relationships that they're in, the couples they're in, you know, and I do work with some women who are wanting to develop themselves and develop their business. And again, the fundamental driver, it's interesting, the fundamental drivers, yeah, you know, this area of freedom, flow and connection, you know, they're, they're driving our behaviour all the time. That makes a lot of sense. And possibly something we'll come on to is the similarity between what you're helping business owners with and what people in the adventure business are helping their clients with either explicitly or implicitly. Um, so I was aware and I sort of that um, what we normally talk about in this podcast and write about in the newsletter is the business side of running an adventure or guiding or coaching outfit. Um, so what you do might seem a, a, at first a little bit off piste to that, uh, well, as I hinted, I think it's uh, it's not. And from what we've experienced, it's probably one of the most powerful things that you can do to grow your own business. Um, what I thought might help um, connect there is if you could start by taking a step back and telling us a bit about how you got started and how you got from surfing to law to mentoring, which is how I understand the journey. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, you know, I talk a lot about the hero's journey and certainly, you know, being a lifelong learner and a per person of inquiry, you know, my journey has very much been based around that, you know, this constant inquiry mm. into, you know, what makes me tick, what makes us tick. And, and so like a lot of uh, your listeners, uh, you know, graduating from school, it was like, okay, what am I going to lean into? And, you know, certainly the advice I got from my mum was go and become a lawyer. And as a, a good young boy <laughs> who got reasonably good marks at school yeah. uh, over here in Australia, when I, uh, I went to university and became a lawyer and the first 20 years of my uh, working life, uh, I was practicing lawyer um, and had my own practice, my wife and I, children. And essentially, whilst I was enjoying it, there was a deeper inquiry. And along all of that journey, you know, as you mentioned, I'm a passionate surfer. Um, I love nature. And I always had and have an inquiry into personal development. You know, what makes me tick? And what happened was um, I brought in a business coach, to my legal practice. And that was, again, one of those um, life-changing moments where she came in and after a couple of months, she 
said to me, you're not that passionate about being a lawyer, are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'd created a great lifestyle business, you know. I was still surfing and, you know, I'd moved out of corporate law to a regional practice that I owned. I had 20 staff, three offices. Um, and what she said is, why don't you come and train with me as a coach? And that kind of sparked the next trajectory. And she helped me get my business ready. We successfully sold my business. And interesting, because of my uh, commercial background, um, initially they were training, their business was very much about a lot of the business skills, how to build a business, mm. similar to what you do and Victoria. Mm. But what I became fascinated with, um, Paul, early on was the communication and relationship in organisations and the communication and relationship we have with ourselves. And so whilst I trained with them, they also had another lady that um, was building a coaching practice with them that focused more on that, and that's the trajectory I took in 2001. And since then, I've been travelling the globe, coaching business owners and leaders, no matter what the industry, Yeah. Yeah. around, firstly, one of the fundamental shifts, Paul, which can be quite challenging for some business leads, particularly in more traditional businesses, you know, communication and relationship starts with the communication and relationship you have with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 80,000 thoughts a day, most of them are negative. Yeah. And what I know, having worked with all types of industry, you know, there's the healthy conversations and beliefs and the unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. And what I notice is that having clients in the adventure industry, you know, that some of them have some real resistance around building a business, resistance around money, resistance around sales. There's a real internal dialogue that limits them. Whereas my more corporate clients, it may be resistance around getting outdoors. It may be resistance around connecting deeper with themselves. So it's fascinating working with different industries because this internal dialogue, this belief system, this emotional regulation, yeah, it's playing out for all of us. It just can play out slightly differently yeah, with different clients. Yeah, uh, that makes perfect sense. Um, obviously, we work in the corporate field as well. And, yeah, we see those, it's the resistance, I think is the word there. And just as a side, the other word I pick up on what you're saying there is um, for you in, in, in your journey, the word was fascinated. It's the stuff that fascinates you. And it's, a, it's one of any sort of, realized recently when talking to people if, if you can understand if they can understand what really fascinates them then they've got a good sense of where where they should be heading and what as you say what you should be leaning into yeah um so i get that something we see as well is the you know the desire is to be there taking people outside be it climbing or caving or kayaking what myriads of uh, different ways that people like taking people outside. Um, but yes, the whole business side is not what they got into it for. Yep. Um, to the extent at some stage, you know, I don't want to grow any bigger because then I'll have to go and sit behind a desk, which I think is a very valid fear, but it's how do you address that uh, to another extent of ones who are sitting behind desks and wish they were 
back literally in the field uh, doing stuff. Um, one of the ones that we see, and just if you've come across this one as well, or whether it's a peculiarity for the, sort of the general adventure sector, is that people who are got great qualifications for whatever their activity is uh, and do tend to put themselves in risky situations tend to be very self-reliant and that is a good thing i wouldn't want to be stuck up a mountain with someone who couldn't get us out of trouble um but we're wondering if that often leads to the other side of it which is i don't ask for help um and you know even getting an accountant to help with the vat may be a bit of an issue um getting someone to help with the marketing or the business side of it may be another issue um and certainly pushing out into the helping with my own sort of perceptions and what we're holding me back is a, a, a big step from self-reliance. Uh, is that something you've come across as an issue? Is that something you deal with with people? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, one of the primary drivers, as I mentioned, is this search for freedom. Mm. Yeah, and freedom comes from the inside. Yeah, and so particularly the hero's journey, and I'm sure a lot of your clients, both men and women, our inherent search for climbing the mountain, for, you know, going into the underwater cave, is this incredible, incredible experience of presence and freedom. Yeah, you know, as a surfer, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's what we're, we're experiencing. And so the challenge is, and certainly working, I work with some elite athletes, is what I've taught them is you can bring that experience of freedom and flow into the whole of your life. It doesn't have to be based on an external experience. And that's where we often meet it, and obviously a lot of your clients have lent into that and are, you know, experts in that, and that's what drives us, you know. Um, And for me, you know, Early on, I'm sure I would have loved to have been a professional surfer, but I didn't have the uh, the ability. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I've realised is that what I experience and still love surfing every day here in Australia is that I can also bring that into my business, into my marriage, into my parenting, and that's cultivating freedom and flow from the inside out. Okay, that is fascinating and also sounds really powerful because I'm guessing pretty much anyone who does any of these things you said that's going into a cave or whitewater rafting, whatever it happens to be. Um, when you're there, all the other troubles seem to drop away, as you said, you're in that moment. And, yeah, if you're offering the ability to take that into your business and in the rest of your life, that's fairly, very, very powerful stuff. Um, I, I didn't answer your question, if I could just close yeah. the loop around <laughs> self-resilience. Yes. The, so what occurs is... And these are huge generalisations and your audience can process this through their own experience is that because the paradox is often the experience of freedom and flow can be yet this place of climbing the mountain. Yet all of our intrinsic patterns, yet our light and our shadow, our limiting beliefs, we actually learnt in relationship as children. And so if we really want to experience true freedom from the inside out, to your point about the incredible power of being self-resilient, we've also got to be relationally 
yeah, we've got a master relationship. Yeah, and that includes relationships in business, personal relationships, those sorts of things. And so those qualities that can take you to the extreme and knowing that you can rely on yourself, mm. yeah, usually, yeah, it's like, okay, how does that play out now in your relationships? Yeah. Yeah, because it can only be one, it can be one side of a, a two sided coin. Okay. I hopefully can come back to that one because that immediately makes me think that all the people we've talked and met to met, um, they are very good when they're out there with their clients. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the best, the best ones, the ones who the clients just want to come back to, not necessarily for their, technical skills but just for their ability to make it a great day or a great experience yeah so they've got something around the relationship skills but then i'm guessing that there's more we could do dig into it on um just one other issue that we've seen um which may or may not um be something you come across and it, you commonly hear it everywhere these days imposter syndrome and it's just gobsmacking when we talk to some people who you know we we are amazed at what they've done and what they do and they're still sitting there going got imposter syndrome you go how can that be (laughs) um is is that related in the same way to the field that you're working in yeah yeah i mean so again if we unpack it and i'm sure some of your clients uh you know have have done this inquiry for themselves. What we know is that 90 to 95% of our day is driven by our subconscious mind. Yeah, the neuroscience is clear. Yeah. And our subconscious effectively between the age of naught to seven is when the fundamental patterns and beliefs are established in our subconscious mind. What's happening with our brain at that age is we're essentially in theta brain. Yeah, which means that we're just downloading. This This isn't cognition. This isn't filtering. And so naught to seven, we have this whole bunch of experiences, yeah, energetic experiences, emotional experiences, familiar experiences, not good, bad, right or wrong, but this forms our fundamental belief system. And again, another time I can take you through that journey. Yet the, to answer your question, yeah, the fundamental belief, the fundamental operating context for every human being I've worked with, and I've worked with thousands of human beings around the world, in their subconscious is I'm not good enough, I'm not valuable and lovable, but one day I will be. You watch me. I've just yeah, got to get yeah, this yeah. sorted. I've just got to get the mortgage <laughs> sorted, you know. Up the, that mountain. The, exactly. Into that cave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've worked <laughs> with <laughs> Olympic <laughs> athletes, yeah, and the most depressed they felt was the day after the gold medal. Mm. Yeah, because they thought that was the holy grail. Mm-hmm. And, again, I'm not certainly taking away from the the challenge and the joy of being elite in your, re, in your area. Um, yet to... Where that plays out, and I've walked into boardrooms with CEOs running multi, you know, billion-dollar businesses with imposter syndrome. Yeah. A lot of the most, the high achievers I work with, if you think of our defence strategies, yep, that we all have, yep, one of the biggest drivers of I'm not good enough is the high achievers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
they're, they're, that's what got them there. And again, it's not good or bad. It's just they get there and incredibly successful, yet they're also sitting there with this thing we've now labeled imposter syndrome going, yeah, I still don't feel good enough. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah, that's powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am thinking that a lot of people will recognize the experiences you're talking about. Um, not all will be at the time or place where it's relevant to start addressing it. Um, some will be more naturally self-inquiring, like you said, than others. Um, there's also this sort of overlap in the Venn diagram, if you like. If So when you are running a business, and in this case, an, an adventure business, um, you're sitting there and you're working out, you know, what is the admin that needs doing? What is the marketing that needs doing? How do I get the customers out? How to organize the days? How to organize the team? It's all focused on traditional businessy operational type things. Um, what we often see then is the same difficulties cropping up. Some of these can be straight commercial ones. You know, classically in our case, you, you, you may think it's about pricing. You may think it's about, um, you know, what's, what's happening in your back office. More often than not, we'll say, no, it's positioning. If you can get yourself really clear about what you're offering the world, a lot of the focus will then fall in place. And that's a nice, easy conversation to have from our point of view, because that's what we're equipped to deal with. Yeah. But often the conversations which we find quite difficult to have with people, which is, you know, why do you keep on finding procrastination showing up? Or <laughs> why do you keep on finding that there's something more important to do than the thing that you thought was most important? <laughs> so another word, procrastination, <laughs> I suppose. Um, and that's, I think, where you come in. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, if I'm in a, running an adventure business sitting here right now, and can getting us okay either from the business point of view what Bodhi's saying makes an awful lot of sense everything or even from the just my personal self-inquiry point of view this is all ringing bells um so what happens next how do you actually address these issues with people yeah yeah so fundamentally every morning yeah there are two trains that leave your house yeah One is the resistant train Mm -hmm. and one is the flow train. Mm -hmm. And when you learn how to really get present and to maintain presence, which is one of my fundamental teachings, you notice in life where you're in flow and where you're in resistance. Mm -hmm. And resistance will show up energetically, emotionally, a thought process. Remember, we often resist the three key responses when we're in resistance is either expression, suppression, or distraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what's going on. So your clients who are resisting building a business, I hear a lot of people go, I don't like sales. I'm like, sales is one of the most noblest things on the planet. Like, we've got this distorted interpretation of manipulation and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, sales is really, really simple. Yeah, identify a need and meet it. If your listeners are serious about transforming the world through the window of well-being, yeah, we've got to get it out there. 
We've got to get more people outdoors. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to do that if you resist sales. The other big one I see is this unbelievable fear around money and beliefs around money. It's like money is just energy. It's not good or bad. Again, if you want to transform the world, yeah, it's about noticing what's my resistance around money. Yeah. If you have it. And if you're wanting to build a business, when I start to work with clients, particularly in this space, tell me your relationship with money. Tell me your relationship with sales. Tell me what you think business is all about. Because if we start unpacking that, we'll start to see where are you resisting here? And resistance comes from unconscious beliefs. So they'll have some beliefs. Remember, our beliefs create our experience. If I believe sales is bad and it's manipulation, you're going to resist. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. The money one is interesting as well because, um, sorry, I know you were a lawyer and we might be lots of lawyers and uh, there is there is a perception out there about lawyers and money, um, <laughs> which is not a pleasant one. Yet we have found time and again really top-notch lawyers underpricing themselves. Mm. And we have a very logical approach to that. We can go and talk to their customers, their clients. We can come back with lots of anecdotal stuff, which gives them confidence to say, you're right, we are underpricing. And we've got quite a few evidence of firms where they've gone, that's what you've helped us with. Um, you've helped us put a price on you. It's a part of my preconceptions uh, about money that people might shoot me for helping lawyers put their prices up. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's common, is what I'm seeing there. Yep. Um, what I'm trying to understand is when you're saying what is your relationship with money, I'm not quite sure what that means. You know, in that yep, in a more traditional world, what do you, what do you, what do you mean by that? There are three keys to explore around money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So remember, the foundational um, framework is that your beliefs create your reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and most of our beliefs are subconscious. And again, your your audience know this. Any high performing athlete, yeah, any adventurer knows that the limiting beliefs are the what gets in the way. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure they've done lots of work and, and have lots of tools. Yeah. And when it comes to, you know, that point of, you know, excellence, that point of danger, yeah, they apply these tools. Yet often we don't reflect it back in relation to money, mm. for example. So the fundamental shift, the fundamental belief, yeah, at a higher context is. Most people have a scarcity mindset about money. There's not enough. I've got to get mine. Yep. Um, the there's there's only a finite amount, mm-hmm. and it's the same with time. When I work with clients, yeah, that belief creates your experience. If I believe there's not enough time, I'm I'm going to experience it. If I believe there's not enough money, I'm going to experience it. This is one of the three anchors around money. And so my invitation to any of your listeners is to just notice that because we inherited these beliefs not to seven from our family and from our culture 
And normally we picked up the most limiting beliefs from each of our parents. So to give you an example, my mum didn't like debt and my love, my dad loved spending. So for me, it was a it was a long time to unpack <laughs> my relationship <laughs> with money. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so fundamentally, it's if I believe and abundance isn't being frivolous, abundance isn't being foolish. It's simply that fundamentally, do I believe there's more than enough money and time for me, for my family, for the world? Mm-hmm. Yep. And that helps start the flow instead of the resistance. There's not enough. I've got to get my share. Yeah, all of that that um, behaviour. The other one that you mentioned, using the lawyers as an example, the biggest thing, and I really invite your clients to really reflect on this, the thing about valuing your product or your experience yeah. What comes up for most people is, again, the not good enough is not valuing yourself. Yeah, I can't charge that. I'm not worth that. But it's the wrong question to ask. Yeah. The key, and when I work with clients, is what you're valuing is the product or the experience. Yeah. If a client comes to you and goes, I have a deep need to reconnect with nature. I have a deep need to push myself to reconnect with my well-being. Yeah. Whatever process your clients take them through in the adventure space. Mm. Yeah. And ask any of your clients when they've seen that client, potential client rock up and you've taken them on a 20K trek or prepared them to get climb, it's transformational. <laughs> it's priceless. You're not valuing yourself. You're valuing the outcome. And you know that all your clients know they are experts in their field. They're giving amazing outcomes. Mm-hmm. If you take that value piece away from yourself and really look at your process or product or experience, it becomes very easy to go, that's worth X. You know, particularly if the client's willing to do what it takes, you know, obviously yeah. the client's got to have buy-in depending on the product. I think that's where the that's where the cultural and the commercial bit overlap because once you've got that self-belief, once you do have that understanding, you then need mechanisms yep. which go, okay, I, I understand I've been undercharging in the past, um, but how do I get to the stage where I can be charging more? And that's just some simple how to do things, which is yep. More commercial, traditional yep. stuff. That that makes it. It's, it's it for me. It's a fascinating area um, for all the reasons you mentioned. But also, the more people we talk to, and we're looking at you know valid comments like people's getting their rates questioned, um, and the people who they are taking out in the field, uh, they're not only giving them a great experience; they're keeping them alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> lawyers, lawyers help people. Accountants help people, but they don't have to keep them alive. Yep. Um, which is quite a valuable thing. Um, so there's an element where I feel like, well, you've just worked out you don't want that sort of client anymore. <laughs> yeah. And if because they don't value what you're doing. Exactly. And that's the beauty of sales. When you really understand sales, it's so simple. Yeah. Yeah. It's identifying a need and meeting it. So if you ever get pushed back around money or price, if any of your clients ever receive that, what they haven't done is conveyed the value. Okay. 
Yeah, and that's what you bring. You bring tools and processes and techniques because it's simply about helping the client identify the need. Remember, clients don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and that's sales. It's just talking it through. Yeah, would you like to live a healthy life, have more time with your grandchildren? Yeah, it's like, you know, you, and that's the processes you teach. Yeah. Um, and noticing the resistance to sales because, again, if you're getting pushback around money, yeah, it's about the value and it's also where am I resisting the sales conversation? What do I think sales is? Yeah. You know, you go and have a barbecue with your friends or go down to the pub and people go, bloody salespeople, I'm sick of, you know, that cultural conversation yeah. instead of sales is one of the most noblest things on the planet. No, I, I completely get with with what what's being offered in this sector, it the, there should be there should be no questions yet. Yeah, paradoxically, yeah. it's a big question. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the the Thank third you. thing around the money, just to close that loop. So money inherently, yeah, is energy, and it's not necessarily good or bad. It's just an exchange. Yeah, it's just a barter system. Somehow we've come up with this idea of calling it money, and we call it the pound, we call it the dollar. Yeah, but inherently, remember, we give meaning to our external world. Yeah, the external world is meaningless until I give meaning to it through my filters. Yeah. And so when I work with clients around money, you know, I talk about if you think about for yourself, Paul, if you think about a really healthy personal relationship you have with your with your partner, with your children, with some friends. Think of the qualities such as respect. Yeah. Think of honesty. Yeah. Think of appreciation. You know, think of abundance. I'm willing to give my time. Yeah. It's just having that with money. It's just a relationship. Yeah. Am I being honest? Do I check my bank account? Yeah. Am I being honest with myself? Do I appreciate it? Do I pay my bills with love? If someone provides me with something or am I resisting, am I resentful, am I scared, am I anxious? Mm. Yeah, and if you can start to just think about the relationships that, the personal relationships that enliven you and change some of these fundamentals. In my experience, I'm working with lots of clients. It's, it's just a nice, nicer experience, a different experience anyway. Yeah, um, and thank you because that's also made a lot of sense. Because for me, in the traditional space, relationship with money is a strange question. But the way you've just described it, then oh, okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> make perfect sense. So hopefully uh, others will as well. Yeah. Um. Go. You know, buddy, we could go on and on for hours. I think I would love to, and maybe we'll come back, and maybe when you're in the UK next, we'll uh, find ways of connecting into the sector. Who knows? Yeah. Be great. Um. I was going to ask you, have you got like a a key question that you'd like people to ask themselves? I think you've given us a whole load. Is there any other one you'd add in as a last question? You know, my sense is, again, repeating what I said earlier, you know, particularly for clients who are used to being in their bodies, mm. which a lot of corporate clients aren't. Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, being in nature, we know energetically and the sort of, adventure stuff a lot of your clients are doing you have to be present 
So my invitation for your clients is in the rest of your life, just notice where the resistance is and where the flow is. Yeah, just no, just come up against that and just just and just inquiry, just notice and go, what's the resistance? Yeah, because it'll just be it'll be a story. It's not right or wrong. It'll just be a story about whatever you're meeting. Yeah, whether it's employing a staff member, getting an accountant, you know, building a business, doing sales, and it's okay. But if you notice the resistance, then you have choice. Fantastic. Yeah, we always have choice. But yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm going to be over uh, most of October. Um, I've just launched my new podcast called True Freedom. Fantastic. So encourage any of the listeners to uh, have a look for that. Yeah, the usual places, reviews are always good. And my website there, there's a giveaway on my website around um, freedom and flow. It's a video, um, five five um, modules, uh, if anyone's interested, just to, just to unpack some of this for themselves and really, particularly for your listeners, how do I bring freedom and flow into all of my life? And it is possible. Fantastic. Wow. Um Thank you very much, Bodie. I yet again, I mean, we've talked many times, and each time there are new insights I get from you. So I hope these are passed on. Uh, it's been really good to talk today, and um, thank you for taking time out to do it. Yeah, thank you. No, it's been a delight, and I look forward to where it goes for your clients. And thanks to you for listening today. Please don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you normally get your podcasts. That way you'll make sure you don't miss the lessons about running an adventure business that we'll be getting from a good range of people in the sector. In the last few episodes of this mini-series, we'll be talking to Jenny Graham, the woman's world record holder for cycling around the world, who's gone on to be a successful broadcaster, writer and speaker. And we're speaking to Esther Foster, a mountain climbing coach and guide who has a focus on skills progression, small ratios and bespoke days who is busy carving out a niche with women climbers. And we'll be rounding off talking to Nick Butter, the first man to run a marathon in every country of the world. We'll be speaking to him in his capacity as founder of a new adventure business as we prepare to follow him through their first year of growth in the next series of the podcast. Finally, if you like reading as well as listening, you can check out all the lessons in earning a living shared by a wide range of other people in the sector by searching for The Business of Adventure on Substack. Goodbye.